Hi, welcome to Grape Nuts. You're here with Grant and John. Yo. Um, and we're here with our special guests, the power couple, David and Hannah. What's up, guys? Hey. Hello, hello. I like that title, power couple. The power couple. So you're here on the Grape Nuts podcast. Um, do you guys know what a Grape Nut is in the context of this podcast? I do now. <laughs> David, I had a coach, David, on the topic today. You coached him. All right. Can you uh, run it back for us real quick, just so we can make sure you guys know what a grape nut is? Well, as inspired by the wonderful John Piper, I understand a grape nut to be something random, something quirky that you just really love and brings you a lot of joy. And most people wouldn't understand that thing. But to you, it is just life-giving in a lot of ways. Boom. And wow. it is usually pretty weird. That's it. That's is that right? That's it right there. 100 points to Gryffindor. That's fantastic. <laughs> David's first grape nut, pole vaulting. So when you were in college, you were a pole vaulter. Um, you got a, an acceptance into college because of your skills in pole vaulting. Now, it's not the pole vaulting itself that is your grape nut. I felt like uh, what stood out to me, what was quirky about your pole vaulting was your intensity and uh, how much you just put on the table when you pole vaulted, as in, if you did well in pole vaulting, you, you had, that was a great week. You were walking in the sunshine, you were laughing, having a good time. If you had a bad day of pole vaulting, everyone around you felt it and you were going through a, a depression <laughs> a deep depression if you had a bad day of pole vaulting Hannah's nodding <laughs> so um and then kind of folded in that I remembered that one of your like pump-up songs before pole vaulting was Bad Day by Daniel Powder <laughs> all that to say why did you take pole vaulting so seriously and so to heart uh, I mean, I think, I think my life philosophy when it, well, A, I'm super competitive. Mm. I don't like losing. Um, and I hate losing against other people, but I think even more, I hate losing when it's against myself. And wow. I think pole vaulting is one of those sports where, well, actually I won't say it's one. I, I think it's one of many sports, uh, cause track and field is huge as, as well as swimming and all those individual sports um, where your greatest enemy is typically going to be yourself and not necessarily your opponent. Um, now, maybe if you're competing against a guy like Michael Phelps, your greatest enemy probably is Michael Phelps and not yourself. But, um, but I feel like for most, for the most part, like when it comes to individual sports, I mean, uh, you've got to get through mental roadblocks and, when you can't get through them, there's no one else to blame but yourself, right? And so uh, I think I had to put everything into it because if I didn't, then I would walk away thinking that I didn't do enough. Uh, so the bad days meant that uh, was typically probably just a way of saying, I did everything that I could, but I still came short. This sucks, right? Like. Um, and so of course, like, you're going to feel bad about that. Whereas like, 
um, I don't know if I've done, uh, if I haven't done everything that I can and I, and I fall short, then my mind immediately goes to, okay, here are the places where I can, where I can, what I can work on for the next couple of weeks. And I typically won't be too bad about that. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think that's probably the easiest way of explaining it. Well, I, I'm just curious, like, because that was a very, like, deep and meaningful response. Why was Bad Day a pump-up song? <laughs> so that was a pump-up song for me in high school more so than in college. College things changed a little bit more as the intensity started to, to rack up. But in high school, it was definitely Bad Day. Part of it was because in high school, um, when I first started vaulting, I wasn't taking it very seriously. And when I, t when I started to get better at it, and when I started to realize that I could do something big with it, um, I think Bad Day slowly trickled out of the, uh, of the playlist. But yeah. certainly I look back at high school and that was probably the best vaulting experience that I had, partly because I wasn't taking it very seriously. And it helped me to relax. Um, whereas in college, you guys all saw that I was really uptight and, uh, and super focused and, and zoned in. So, um, I think, yeah, I think it's just like, I just changed in terms of the way I looked at vaulting throughout high school and college. So it was a chill song for you. It was just a relaxing song. Is that right? Yeah, it was a relaxed, it was, it was like. I think it was like a hit back when we were like sophomores and juniors. And mm -hmm. so that was back in like, yeah, that was back then. So um, you could Google when bad day was a hit, but uh, yeah, I think it was just like, I just really enjoyed the song and I liked it. <laughs> we had a good mood, ironically. Yeah, man. I'd remember uh, going to your track meets. Hannah and I would go to your track meets. I think we were your biggest fans. I think Hannah was by far the biggest fan, but it was like unspoken agreement when Hannah and I were like cheering on the sidelines, but it was like, do not talk to David. Do not look at David before he pole vaults. Do not break his focus. And the worst thing that you could say to David was, uh, what was the phrase that would just, that you hated? It was like, let's go or something, or um, you got this or yeah, you got this was uh, was one that I did not like. <laughs> Everyone said that, but it's like, I don't know. I just felt like it was a very cliche thing to say. John and I basically just had to go and be silent, except for when we were cheering for other people, and then leave and not talk to David and have him come to us. Basically, <laughs> that meant we'd go, like, make ramen or something or, like... I don't even know. We just wait <laughs> for David to come talk to us. That's funny. Yep. Yeah. It's an ironic, it's an ironic grape nut to share because poor David got injured pole vaulting today. You were pole vaulting? I was. Wow, you're uh how many years removed from pole vaulting are you? Uh, six years? Six years. Yeah. yeah. I didn't touch the pole in six years and I touched it for the first time back in august and you're like what joining a club is there a pole vault club there's a club yeah no kidding no. yeah 
Yeah. And what but happened today? Just rolled his ankle. Bad, bad sprain. Yeah. But so, uh, season's over. But we'll be back at it again in the That's spring, summer. summer. You've got this. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I love how you said we will be back at this. It's, <laughs> we'll be back. it's a team effort these days. I, I love it. That's <laughs> so good. So, uh, are you back to like working out, David? Like doing Olympic lifts and back to the regimen that you were in college? No. <laughs> uh, it's been tough to. I think. I think it's been nice because this has kind of been reminiscent of like high school in a way because I don't I'm not taking it very seriously and so so it's actually helped me to relax a lot oh, nice um when I vault and and I think because of that it's been um yeah I've been able to like kind of there's no pressure and like I don't know I feel like this might be an opportunity for me to hit some new heights that I haven't before, but at the same time, I'm also like, if I don't, it's still a lot of fun. Um, I think at, at the end of college, it lost a lot of fun for me. Um, it just felt very emotionally taxing. So. so in some ways, pole vaulting is a grape nut because no one else pole vaults as a 28-year-old guy with college and high school students oh you're doing it with other students (laughs) yeah there aren't a lot of adults that want to take up whole thing i can tell you that much so So. maybe uh obviously uh hannah and john have been in it um i'm could you try to summarize what first uh what makes pole vaulting fun for you it might be hard and pretty encompassing but i've just never really known really anyone who's it's just kind of I'd love to I'd love to hear it from someone who loves pole vaulting. What's so great about it? Hmm. Um I think part of it is just like I think part of it is definitely the adrenaline rush. I think the other part of it would probably be um Have you ever gone like cliff jumping? <laughs> no. I've jumped off of 30 foot rocks. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, perfect. That's a perfect example. Um, You know that feeling of when you jump and you're like flapping your arms, (laughs) but then there's just a millisecond in which you're like paused in the air. You kind of feel uh, not lost, but this is, this is, this is basically in, in, in scientific terms, this is, this is when acceleration is zero. Huh? You mean at the top? At the top. The apex of your jump. Yes. Oh. So like, so like when you're jumping, when you're jumping off a cliff, like if you jump, you're you're probably gonna feel like a millisecond pause, just a millisecond, because literally you're suspended at a certain point where like you're not moving up, but you're not not moving down. Okay. Like okay. It's just like a very slight millisecond. Mm. But um, I say that to say because. That is, I feel like, what typically gives me an adrenaline rush when I cliff jump. Mm. Um, and so with vaulting, uh, I love the feeling of being kind of pushed up mm. and then and the feeling of falling. Mm. I don't know. It's the only time I ever enjoy the feeling of the sensation of falling. Mm. Um, cliff jumping, I hate the sensation of falling. Uh, but you do it anyway. But I do it anyway. <laughs> 
I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I can see where you're getting at. Um, I think when I uh, jump off of, you know, 30 foot rocks into water, I don't think maybe it's because I'm not going up as much. And maybe it's because I'm scared. I don't intentionally jump. I more of run off <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that I don't quite have that feeling that you're describing, but I, I could, uh, I can see what you're. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I feel it a little bit on like a really springy diving boards. It's really fun to hit the top. Yes. I yes. See, I can see what you're getting at. So that's cool. That's exactly. That's exactly what it is. I mean, when Hannah and I went to Greece, we jumped off a cliff, and if you had to jump at like a at a trajectory that that you know you've got to jump, you've got to jump away from the cliff so that when you land in the water, you're not landing anywhere near the rocks. <laughs> Hannah's grape nut, pandas. I think the number one for me is um, my love for baby pandas. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <In> general. <laughs> and I just love them. I like just they're my favorite animal. <laughs> Break it down for us. Tell us why. In first grade, <laughs> I had to do a report <laughs> on an animal. And I, I think I chose the panda. Or if it was assigned to me, I was very happy to be assigned the panda. And I remember like checking out of the library, like all the magazines and books on pandas. And I think I made a little diorama about panda bears. And I think that really started it. I will not say I like identified like that as much throughout like high school, but I also just wasn't like super in to animals but then I think in college I realized like wow baby pandas are so cute and <laughs> you can go see them in zoos in the United States like uh-huh. you can watch them on panda cams and so I got <laughs> really into the San Diego Zoo panda cam nice <laughs> And then I got into the <laughs> Smithsonian Zoo Panda Camp. And I just love them, like watch on YouTube and like, I just love them. And um, it's my dream to, they don't really let you do this anymore, but uh, you used to be able to go to this panda reservation in the Sichuan province of China. And um, you could pay like $500 to like, go out and like play with and hold the baby pandas wow and not that expensive actually oh i i would pay that in a heartbeat for sure sure. i wouldn't have to even think i probably wouldn't ask david which i know i should but (laughs) i i would save up all my fun money from our budget for like years just to do that (laughs) and um yeah but i might not get that chance so so you say you um, you tune into these panda cams, which are probably live streams of their exhibits. Is that right? Yes. Great. So just checking. Do you happen to know, like, go so far to know, like, all all the their names, and can you like distinguish between them, or what are we talking about here? Well, I I don't keep up with San Diego anymore because I have pandas right across the street here in D.C. Like literally, I walk ten minutes and I'm there. Like wow. at panda. Okay. <laughs> So I just pay attention to them, and yes, I do. <laughs> yes, you do what? You know, know the, their names. Okay. <laughs> How many are there? Tell us about them. 
Well, there's three. Well, there's four because a baby was just born. But I so far I don't think he has a name, or at least I haven't seen it. But okay. Um. So the mom is Mei Shang, the dad is Tian Tian, and then the little baby is Bebe, oh. little baby boy. And then the, there's the new baby boy. Mm-hmm. Um, Before the, the pandemic, how often would you maybe visit? Um, once every like couple, few weeks, I would say. Yeah, like once a month. Yeah, but then when I had say like Ray, so when we had our daughter last December, um, I would usually once a week take her to go see the pandas because mm-hmm. we would need fresh air and I would need a long walk. Yeah. And yeah. so like at least once a week, I would like commit to like walking there and like going to see the pandas with Sailor Grace. And I'd always like take pictures of her sleeping in her stroller with the pandas like in the background. So that's awesome. But we can go to the zoo now, but because they just had the baby, no one's allowed to go like near the panda. Like they cl- shut it down. Like you Pretty can't weird. go anywhere near like down the pathway to go see them. So it's pretty rare for them to give birth. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Well, they have one ovulation day a year. So <laughs> it's very hard. And from what I understand, it's just like very hard for them to like get pregnant. And like, <laughs> even on that day, it's like very difficult. So <laughs> they basically like have to like, um, I don't know if it's I guess it's like artificially inseminate them but like it's like IVF basically for the pandas um and so they try to do that once a year because their population is declining Hmm. so in in the U.S. I think um they try to like help increase the population Hmm. so last year she had a pseudo pregnancy this year she had a baby yay i think it's i think it's helpful context that people should know that technically pandas across the world are not owned by their respective zoos but are in fact uh on loan from china yes all pandas all All pandas. pandas How does China do that? Like, do they declare those, like, all pandas theirs? <laughs> and who acknowledges yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. They, send them, they send them here. So then when they have babies here, they're still China's babies. And the reason why the panda probably doesn't have a name is because China has not yet uh, yeah, I think given they wait it a, a name. Yeah, they wait a certain amount of time. Oh, my gosh. So the names come from, they have to come from China. They cannot come from the zoo. Yeah, they yeah. come from China. I think the idea, right, is like, you know, these are like really well-known zoos that like are like doing research and like obviously help like supporting like the increase of the panda population. So I think like it's like a mutual relationship, right, where like China is able to send them here and like, you know, it's not like just for show, like the zoos here are like actively working and partnering with China to like help increase the panda population. And um, so at least that's what I guess I gather, but yeah, they're just so cute. I just love watching them and they've got some personalities, those little babies. They're like humans sometimes, like just how they tot around and play tricks and yeah. 
I think yeah. my favorite, I've seen some videos. Um, I'd be curious to hear if you have any favorite videos, but I've, there's like a, it was a compilation of like either pandas or baby pandas just falling. Like it was a whole compilation <laughs> of them, like just being klutzy. Like they would like kind of fall off of like a, but they're so, they like rolled. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you have any like, like at least my wife, uh, Michelle, she, um, like has some favorite uh, videos of animals that she goes back to just on a, like a, maybe she needs to pick me up. Maybe she's like, I'm just in the mood. And she, she like watches the same video. And to me, I'm like, ah, oh, like, I think that would get old, but she's just like, it never gets old. So um, it sounds like maybe not with one video, but it sounds like that's what uh, baby pandas are for you. But we got to get you to the Sichuan uh, province, eh? Yeah. And we got to. Yes that happen and so you can like wrestle with those baby pandas <laughs> in china like you can uh, cuddle wrestle. with them and and just like be like, well that's a few extra thousand dollars to oh, rest, rest. no i'm just making oh. <laughs> <laughs> suplex on one <laughs> i i really think like all i would care about is like sitting there and just holding the baby panda like a baby uh, and like yeah. petting him and just snuggling yeah. snuggling the panda that's nice that that would be a Five hundred dollars well spent. Yeah, sure. There's this video of uh of Kristen Bell on the Ellen show. I think I've seen this. Mm-hmm. And her obsession is sloth. <laughs> so if you go watch that video, I would very much imagine Hannah to respond in a very similar fashion. What is is Kristen Bell like cuddling with a sloth? She like instantly melts down. Oh like, really? Crying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> out of like an, uh, like an overabundance of like emotion because she loves this i think there's a live slot that comes on stage is that right yeah, yeah. no 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 there was there was a slot there hmm. and <laughs> dak shepherd her husband had gone her slot for her birthday like just to like have at the house for the day oh. and she hadn't even seen it downstairs but she like knew it was there so he came up like videotaping to surprise her and he finds her like in a puddle like on the bed like crying hysterically and he's like what's wrong she's like i know it's here, <laughs> this love here. and then i think whoever was like maybe ellen was like oh and we have a surprise for you and she starts crying again <laughs> they didn't have the sloth on the stage but like she oh, just nodded like so instantly um it's so funny i would totally be like that for sure <laughs> I'm, I feel like I, that happens to me like for other things that I'm not even as passionate about <laughs> David's second grape nut ketchup I love ketchup <laughs> oh my gosh how did I not put this on the why didn't you say that earlier wrong? that's such a good one. Oh my god I love ketchup so so much <laughs> um the ketchup to every bite ratio was was I probably shouldn't give it a number, but it's kind of gross <laughs> thinking about it. You're saying Yeah, no, that's still a current thing. It's actually like so. It's one thing for me to like eat like a burger. Like I get full enjoyment like of eating a burger when I can have the ketchup that is required to, <laughs> to reach that enjoyment. But it's like whenever I go out with like friends or something and they don't know about like my desire and love for ketchup, uh, 
it ends up being like a sad burger experience because I feel like <laughs> I've fallen short of what could have been an amazing burger experience because there wasn't because I had to stifle my ketchup intake. Right. Because uh, usually like if you have a burger brought to the table, the waiter will bring you like a small little little tiny, bowl little of ketchup. Tiny little, yeah. yeah. So David will typically ask, Hey, can I get some more ketchup? And like, <laughs> I'm sure what David is thinking is like, bring the whole bottle, <laughs> give me the whole glass bottle. And then if a waiter brings just another small glass of ketchup, David's not going to be weird about it. And like, be like, can I have more? <laughs> yeah. I, I love restaurants that bring you bottles of ketchup. <laughs> if they bring you the small little containers. I'm like, Okay, I get it. Presentation, it looks great. <laughs> I need it to be a bottle. So I love this because I used to be a big ketchup guy myself. So mm -hmm. I've got some questions for you. So <laughs> when they, I've got many actually, when they only bring out, sometimes you ask for more ketchup, they just bring like, they refuse to bring the bottle. How many of the little tiny bowls do you ask for? Yeah, like, what's your threshold? So <laughs> I won't give them a number. <laughs> Well, literally, I will do this. Um, like, they'll bring the food with the with the ketchup, and then I'll let them go because I want to at least use like half of the half of the thing, which happens in like one or two quick bites of like some French fries, and then they'll come back, and I'll say, "Hey, can I get some like more ketchup?" <laughs> And I'll like emphasize them more. My eyes will get bigger <laughs> in hopes that like they will understand that the emphasis of like more is like, <laughs> I want more. And if I were to put a number to it, I'd be like, yeah, could I get like four or five more of these things? Um, Sometimes you also make me out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will also use other people around the table. I'll be like, yeah, can we get like five more ketchups for each of the people around here? And then like at the end of the meal, like all five of them will end up in front of me. Wow, that is awesome. All right, question number two. So uh, when I want to put my, a lot of ketchup on my burger, uh, I find that if I, there's like a limit because if I put it in the burger, then when I put the kind of, I take it off, the, the top off the bun, and then I put it back on, it squeezes out the side. You so made I wanna, the mistake. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Walk me through what I should do. So, so what you just laid out is the standard mistake that most people make when applying ketchup to their burgers. <laughs> um, when you paint it on, you've basically limited your ketchup intake to that small bit of area, oh, okay. um, which, which is sad. <laughs> um, but I think, I think there are ways to redeem it. And so I will let you know my way of redeeming it. Please. So because I don't want to look disgusting around people, my preference would always be to squirt the ketchup on every bite that I'm going to take. So I have my burger, I will pile the ketchup onto a single bite, eat that, and then I'll continue to do that. So and would you ever let go of the kind of burger in one hand, uh, the bottle- Typically the, the bottle never leaves the hand. That's, <laughs> that's standard practice. Okay. The other way of doing it, and probably the more, uh, I don't know, proper posh way of doing it would be to get a little bowl 
and then to dip your burger in that bowl. I remember going to In-N-Out in in high school and uh, like I had like a handful of friends who I was really comfortable with, but I'm sure that they were really embarrassed when they went to In-N-Out with me because I would be the guy that would stand because at In-N-Out they have like these ketchup pumps. And so I would be the guy that would stand in the ketchup pump for like five minutes, pumping out like 10 little containers of ketchup for myself as if I'm getting it for the table, which I'm not <laughs> and end up taking that all down myself. It's like, bro, it's, it's not a ketchup buffet. <laughs> this is not a side. The restaurant's <laughs> losing money on you. Yeah. The ketchup. 100%. All right. <laughs> all right. Third question. If I, if I may now, when I, I had my ketchup phase. Now I still like ketchup, but I had a phase. I put it on things which other people might um, not like. So maybe a little embarrassing, but I put it on mac and cheese. Back in the day. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Okay. It sounds like you don't do that. <laughs> that was like when I was 10. But, uh, That's appropriate. That's appropriate age to eat ketchup on your mac you and cheese. Anymore. No. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like it'd be a different story if you still did that. I would, if someone dared me to do it, I would do it easily. But oh, I, do, I don't think I have, uh, I have moved on. But <laughs> I, I wanted to ask because you could put like burgers, ketchup, it works. But what makes you yours so special is you load it on burgers. Do you have something, and maybe you don't, where you put it on something where people say that's gross, like you just did with me? <laughs> so. So growing up, when when Jonathan and I were growing up, I would sometimes make, and I feel like this is an appropriate thing for the age, so I don't do this anymore, but I used to eat Wonder Bread and ketchup. I would make a ketchup sandwich with Wonder Bread. That was, now, of course, now I, I, I think about that and I'm like, that's wildly inappropriate and... <laughs> Kind of weird way to eat ketchup. Very proud of um, I remember in college, one of my teammates telling me that he loves ketchup. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't love ketchup the way I love ketchup. And he said, if you eat your pizza with ketchup, then we can talk. And I looked at him and my jaw kind of dropped and I kind of gasped a little bit and almost <laughs> gagged because that was disgusting. <laughs> Pizza and ketchup. I mean, that's just weird. <laughs> I don't know, but he he apparently loves ketchup and he eats his pizza with ketchup. And I mean, I want to say like I gotta respect it, but it's, it's kind of a little off. <laughs> it doesn't pair well. Um, David um David also has brand loyalty in his ketchup. Oh yes, okay. consumption to Heinz. Yeah, some yeah. people I guess would swear by Hunts, right? Some mm -hmm. others Heinz. What would you yeah, what camp would you put yourself in, David? Heinz, hundred percent. All the way. If I have to, I'll eat the other ketchups. But <laughs> all right, here's a question for you, David. So oh. I heard recently that Heinz they're trying to pump up their uh, their stock power their stock prices here so they i think they have a ceo at the helm that's trying out new things exploring options what i heard they're putting out soon is uh make your own ice cream kits 
So what's weird about these kits, they're condiment flavored. So there's like relish, mayo, mustard, and ketchup. Would you ever try a ketchup flavored ice cream? No, absolutely not. Knew it, knew it, knew it. Absolutely not. Okay. We're talking about pairings here, guys. And <laughs> if burger and, and ketchup go together, you can very much like conclude that ice cream flavored ketchup sure, or sure. like just it doesn't work. Well, like I don't want to be tasting like a heavy creamy ketchup. <laughs> I think the other thing that needs to be addressed is how ketchup should be applied to hot dogs. Oh. Oh. Now I I like like we we obviously have determined that I love ketchup. So uh, because I'm embarrassed of how much ketchup I would want to eat with my hot dogs. I will actually take the dog off the bun and put ketchup in the bun and then I'll put the dog back on it and then I'll add more ketchup. <laughs> so it really just looks like, so it really just looks like, oh dude, the guy only put like an average amount of ketchup, but in reality, I've probably put the triple amount of what a normal person would because I've hidden it on the bottom. I will, I will make one last comment, like, because I was thinking about this as I, I was, like, considering my grape nuts. And one thing that I, I was, like, realizing about myself is, uh, is that, like, I was, trying to, I was trying to back into what my grape nuts were. And I was thinking, okay, well, what do I spend my time doing mm-hmm. apart from work and, and, and church? And I realized that much of my time is actually spent on my phone, on Instagram or, or social media or like, or it's just on the phone, like twiddling through articles. And so it just made me realize that like, um, like I, I spend more time uh, entertaining myself, uh, watching other people uh, invest and um, pursue their grape nuts than I do pursuing my own. Um, and so, so I will say that I feel like social media has actually kind of undermined people's ability to, uh, to kind of generate like their, their, their own grape nuts because they're so, they're so busy watching other people invest in theirs. Mm, Wow. That's a good word. Dang, dude. Yeah. I will, I will, I will end on that note because that's, that's something that I was reflecting on because I was trying to think about like, hey, what, what is it that I put my time into? And I realized I spend a lot of time watching other people do the things that they love. So.